Conversations with Catholic Voices. Tackling the tough questions with Daniel Noor and Catholic Voices Australia. Hello listeners, my name is Daniel Noor. I'm a young Catholic, a journalist and a convert to the faith with lots of questions on my mind, some confusion and apprehension about things too, and a thirst to get things straight on the major theological, social, political and moral problems which the first, the church rather, faces today. Uh, you're listening to Conversations with Catholic Voices. Cradio, Sydney's seminal network for young Catholics, has given me a representative of the church and have allowed me to just have at it, frankly, and that is precisely what I plan to do. Both me and my guest uh, have come down with some variety of H1N1. It could be an extinct disease that has come back, so you'll excuse us if we're a little bit coughy and, uh, you know, just under the weather. Paul Sheehan uh, is our victim, guest, today. Uh, Paul's a wonderful dude, a military analyst by day, and by night he dons the Batman-esque suit of a Catholic Voices spokesperson. Paul, welcome. Hi, Daniel. How are you going? Thanks for having me on. Paul, let's play a game called Myth or Fact. First, I ask the question, then you tell me if it's a myth or a fact, and perhaps a little bit of column A and column B, and then we discuss. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds good. Child sexual abuse. The uh, Royal Commission is, of course, in the news, much to our dismay and, you know, it's, it's a difficult time, to say the very least. Uh, we would all agree, I think, that answers should come out and transparency is the thing. To that end, I've often heard in the workplace, at home with non-Catholics, uh, in family relationships, and also, you know, at university, that the Catholic Church is perhaps the ne-plus ultra example of pedophilia in an institution. Fact or myth, the Catholic Church is no more responsible for abuse than any other institution. Fact. Uh, I actually discovered only recently that the the majority of sexual abuse, in fact, possibly up to 80% of sexual abuse of minors actually occurs in the home. Um, and in the majority of cases, it's the, the victim's biological father that actually commits the abuse. That's kind of horrifying. So, yeah, it's extremely horrifying and something I actually didn't realise until recently. And the Royal Commission, um, which is ongoing at the moment, uh, is actually excluding all those cases of abuse. They're only looking at child sexual abuse that has occurred in institutions. And one of their main targets is the Catholic Church, obviously, amongst others. So you're saying the, uh, the, Catholic, the Catholic Church was one of their targets, is that right? Yeah, it's one of their t- It's certainly been the one that's been highlighted in the media. Um, but the more broader point I was trying to make is that, you know, the the majority of sexual abuse of minors, not just in Australia, but in fact all over the world, occurs in the home. And it's it's a problem that's gone largely uh, unnoticed by a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I don't know if there are processes set up to address this, but it, it would seem that, you know, the, the bigger problem when it comes to sexual abuse of minors occurs in the home, not in institutions like the Catholic Church. Certainly not today as well. Now, I hear that and I worry that it sounds a lot like a kind of cop-out, a kind of, well, you know, it happens everywhere. But, of course, that's not the Christian response to something as heinous as child sexual abuse, is it? I think it's only a cop-out if we if we phrase it that way and say, look, it's not our problem because it occurs everywhere. And that's, you know, one of the things people don't realise is that abuse of minors has been an ongoing fact in society since the 60s. 
And yes, it's occurred in the church since that time. And, and it's fair enough that if we say it's not our problem, because you would expect in a religious institution, that would be the one place in, in society where a child would be safe and child sexual abuse would not occur. So yeah, it can be a cop out. But you know, when you look at the facts, 80% of it in Australia occurs in the home. So you know, I, it, I think it's very unfair for people to put the Catholic Church in the spotlight and accuse us of being the, the sole abusers. Okay, well then, myth or fact, and this is another one that I often hear, the reason the Catholic Church is highlighted with this issue, or perhaps made culpable for it, is because it, unlike other Christian communities, have in place the actual legal measures which allow the problem to be addressed and allow the church to be sued. We have mechanisms. Myth yeah, or fact? Definitely. On that one, I, I, I'd say fact. And to the church's credit, it's, it's led the way in trying to address this problem. It's set up processes to support the victims, to report the, uh, the, the abusers of minors to the authorities. It's done more than any part of society to cooperate with the police and actually try and address this problem. Um, and if you look at the case in Melbourne in particular... Archbishop Powell in the 1990s set up a number of processes and they weren't just legal measures. He also uh, reformed the seminary at the time in Melbourne. Um, he reformed it in such a way to ensure that uh, se seminarians were educated properly and the right type of people entered the seminary. Uh, so there was a lot more awareness of a seminarian's, you know, psychological state. And there was also, uh, you know, we learned the lesson about the signs to look for in cases of sexual abuse. Okay, and this is uh, this is the unpleasant crux of the thing, isn't it? You know, the heart of the problem is how did these priests, quoting Meryl Streep from, you know, that wonderful film, Doubt, what are you doing in the church, is the question yeah. she asked Philip Seymour Hoffman, may God rest his soul. How did they get in? How could this possibly have happened? I've spoken to Protestants who often use, well, I mean, testimony is very important for any Christian. And it's, um, it's a very shocking thing to think that someone who's not just a Christian but a priest could have this awful affliction. Yeah, look, I, I totally agree. It's from where we sit today, we're in modern society, where, you know, we're well aware of the proliferation of sexual abuse, particularly of minors. So it's very, very easy for us to sit here and say, how could the church and the rest of society not been aware that this was happening? I guess I'm only guessing, but you know, you do, you've got to look at the what was going on at the time. I guess. Okay, I want to put I want to put it to you in a question. Myth or fact? In the fifties, fifties brackets past question mark just the vague notion of the past, the old days. Catholic priests yes. weren't as stringently examined as they are today. Myth or fact? Fact. Yeah, definitely. And that's I mean, there's there's just the very the very fact that these priests abused so many minors at that time in the 60s and 70s is evidence that either the wrong type of people were let into the priesthood or once they entered the priesthood, there wasn't ongoing monitoring of their behaviour. You know, obviously something has gone wrong in their in their mind. And like yeah. I said, at, at the time, sexual abuse, it wasn't as proliferant as it is today. So, you know, people... I think we're in a state of disbelief, possibly, when they heard of these stories and allegations of abuse. So there, there's yeah. more sexual abuse than there is. I don't. I want to hear what you're saying about the the shock value. St stay with that. But 
there's more sexual abuse than there is today, than there was in the past, rather? No, so I'm saying in the past there was, uh, prior to the 60s, there wasn't as much yeah. sexual abuse. So when it did happen, when it peaked in the 60s and 70s, people weren't, and it was all done, obviously, in secret and, you know, people heard about allegations, but they probably disbelieved them because the last thing they would expect from a priest is behaviour like this. So society maybe has somehow sickened and allowed for this affliction to come to the fore in a way that it was not before? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, possibly. I mean, there was a lot of change in the world at the time with the sexual revolution. Uh, the church itself was changing after the Second Vatican Council. Um, it was trying to open itself to the world. So there was a lot going on and obviously, you know, the priests that were entering or the the seminarians that were entering the priesthood at the time, you know, obviously were affected by the world as much as anyone else. Yeah. I suppose that's an easy thing to, it's an easy thing to forget. We do esteem the men of God to be better than society in so many ways. Um, And yet they are a product of it. Perhaps it's easier to judge them um, when, I mean, I'm just thinking aloud, but I, I, I can see why it would be easy to judge people because they wear the outfit, you know, and then, and then to forget. Oh, look, I, I mean, I, I totally agree that these people need to be judged harshly as, as much as anyone else. And that's the other thing. I, I, yeah. So for all that, sure, you know, maybe it wasn't as prolific, but that's just a theory though. But so what was going on? that allowed, you were saying it was Vatican II and the opening up of the church allowed new clergy to come in without a strict process of, of interviewing or screening them? Yeah, so, I mean, once again, I'm I'm sort of guessing when I'm trying to answer your question as to why this happened, but the fact is Vatican II did bring about a lot of change in the church, brought about a lot of change in terms of attitudes towards the priesthood, um, towards the mass and how the Catholic Church relates to the world. <coughs> So, yeah, look, I think it's fair to say that there was a lot of the, the previous processes that were in place to educate seminarians and develop them as men and priests were probably forgotten and, the you know, the, the stringent rules and regulations that they had in the past were probably lapsed somewhat. You've been listening to Conversations with Catholic Voices. That was Daniel Noor speaking with Paul Sheehan of Catholic Voices Australia. Stay tuned for more episodes at cradio.org.au and for more information on Catholic Voices Australia, visit catholicvoices.org.au. cradio.org.au